Welcome everyone to Yay Live, the loyalty podcast for direct-to-consumer brands. So we are here to help brands navigate the new loyalty playbook in order to build a long-lasting and successful brand. And for today's episode, we welcome John Rubin, founder of Una, a Swedish activewear brand. So Una is a fairly new launch brand, but our guest is an experienced founder. So we're going to take the chance to deep dive on everything to be done to ensure a successful launch. And because we love to talk about loyalty, as you notice in this podcast, we will also discuss how to build a brand centered around loyalty from day one. Um, so we are super happy to have you here in this podcast, uh, John Rubin. So I think it's really exciting to, to be able to follow up on your journey with Una going forward. But just to mention a little bit about your Uh, past experience, so you've been creating and running L'Homme Rouge, uh, a Swedish brand that you created, uh, and you received actually a uh, few recognition and awards, so we are very proud to have you here. So you were named Brand of the Year at ENCO in 2017-2018, and you also got um, listed as one of the 100 most powerful people in Swedish fashion. So what a privilege for us to have you here today. Wow, what an introduction. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> of course. So to start with, would you like to give us a short interactively about yourself, what I haven't said yet, uh, and a little bit about um, how the idea of Una came about? Yeah, sure. So basically, I know, getting to know me, I'm uh, more like a creative founder, I guess. Uh, somebody's like really uh, interested in like art, design, branding, and so on. So that's maybe uh, mostly where I come from. Uh, it's like my perspective. But I was also like very much schooled in business. Like my family, they're all from, uh, you know, running their own businesses. A lot of my friends are doing the same thing. So that part comes really natural to me. Um, so, but I mean, looking at like the idea of Una was really like I wanted to take two parts of my life that I felt very passionate about. So on the one hand side, uh, you had this uh, fashion and design, uh, which is my background. And then on the other hand side, we have this like movement and exercise. And that was something I found, you know, maybe five, six years ago when I, uh, I was you know, struggling with my health and struggling with like stress, anxiety. I always had problems with sleep. But then I found, like I tried a lot of different things. You know, you mm -hmm. do meditation, you do, uh, um, you know, try to sleep, get a r better routine. But then one thing that really stood out was movement and exercise and especially like running. So when I kind of find, found that, I found like a key to my, to my living. And that was something that I wanted to like put together with uh, with my past experience with like fashion. So putting these two together, I created Una, and Una is here today to uh, kind of create more uh, room for like uh, joy, creativity, and like well-being within the activewear uh, segment. Okay, interesting. Um, because of course, if we look at the Activewear segment. I mean, there are a lot of brands there, and like the you know well-known historical one like Nike, Adidas, and you also have like a lot of like newcomers who are actually growing a lot um, in Sweden. We can think about Aim, Stronger, I Can, I Will. I mean, there are actually a few of those uh, doing yeah, super definitely. well. But I think like Una has actually found a very different angle. Uh, so maybe can you elaborate a little bit on how you actually 
sort of like identify the niche that you're trying to be in the market and, and what how you want to go about that? I think it's very interesting. Yeah, so for me, I think like looking at sportswear today, I think the, the focus on performance is like too big. Like mm-hmm. as soon as you want to start like working out, you should run a marathon or you should do a hundred burpees. And I think that's a big part of the issue. Like you see people working out, but it's actually people are being more still than ever. So mm-hmm. I wanted to like kind of appeal also to that group that is like not moving and that are feeling like discouraged by uh, the communication you have from the bigger brands. Uh, and also like, it's not only the communication, it's also the, the design. Like honestly, like who needs, uh, you know, 10, 100,000 small holes in the t-shirt just to go out yeah. and uh, run your first like two or three K. Um, and for most people, it won't make a dif- big difference running a 10K either. So I think there's a lot of like room to, to play with there. And uh, like, so we have the performance side, but then we have the more fashion side. And I mean, coming from fashion, I see a big hole in, in terms of like how we work creatively uh, comparing to uh, the sportswear brands today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to bring in that kind of creative energy. Yeah, I want to uh, to kind of when we do the designs and kind of thinking about the inspiration in terms of uh, you know cultural influence and not really just uh, the performance behind the garment like uh, working with the silhouettes the detailing the materials and really playing with uh, how you can actually uh, wear sportswear today Uh, and for me like I wear kind of activewear uh, all the time, but also like I can go on my bike and I can, you know, use my um, uh, like uh, activewear uh, pants or yeah. something in between. That's what I try to create with Una, like that space in between uh, activewear wear and, uh, and fashion. Yeah, and I mean, I think honestly, this is something that we can feel um, right away when we actually like log in your website and see a little bit about the branding. So. Would you like to share maybe a little bit about how you designed the brand and how you know like took some design decision and or copy you know how you actually talk about the brand and talk about this and how how you think that this long term you know will actually help you build the brand and the retention and like build it maybe like a community how do you see this going together so yeah. i kind of built the brand uh, on my own kind of past experiences and then i tried to like like the purpose of the brand is like to outfit and inspire more people to move and really feel better about themselves. Uh, and I think like well-being is an important question, like mental health. So we kind of started from that point and try to see like what kind of world do I want to uh, build and mediate to people that are uh, looking at Una and like uh, find Una appealing. So I, you know, looking at fashion, you can see that the clothing design is a lot of times is like we have a lot of like black colors. We have uh, especially in Sweden, I would say. Especially <laughs> in Sweden, yeah. And I think that's yeah, uh, very white, black, gray. Yeah, my ghetto have changed like, a bit since I moved here. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, so uh, so then you have to like put everything together. Yeah. Then you have the branding side where you want to put in like a lot of energy. I think yeah. all the visuals. Uh, we also started. Um, trying to find an expression that was really like, uh, you know, talking to regular people, like on our Instagram, for example. Yeah. Um, uh, I know we started really early because I wanted to, I felt like I was talking about Unna for a long time before yeah. I even started working on it. 
uh, like 100%. I had like almost one year when I was like, I had this idea, but I was also uh, going after some few other ideas that I had in my, in my notebook and uh, talking to people. And then I felt like something was missing. That was actually like, I wanted to people to understand the visuals I was talking about, talking like showing them the design, like really getting that into place. We started Instagram really early. Uh, and started to like uh, testing different concepts. Uh, I interviewed uh, some friends, and then I did some, uh, uh, you know, like taking pictures, trying to find that like energy that I wanted to have within Una. Um, so it was kind of, with this being said, like I tried to find something that aligned from, you know, from myself to the brand, to the visuals, yep. to the product. And everything is very consistent uh, in that sense yeah. yeah exactly and then I worked with uh, uh, Dennis and Lucas my friends was running an uh, agency called Figure and the graphic okay. designers yeah I was about to, t- to ask you if you had like help from uh, agency or like who did the design yeah I can do a lot of things but yeah. uh, and I can do some graphic design too to be honest but uh, it's like kind of started sketching out uh, you have these ideas but then Lucas and Dennis uh, they uh, uh, they kind of elaborated and started building on the concept and they were when I told them about Una because uh, we shared the same like uh, or they were part of my like co-working space um, and they really loved it and they were like yeah we, like before or I was I was taking a big break in life like after yeah. my Lam Rouge experience so I took a few months off like traveling and uh, being in South America recovering recovering <laughs> yeah and I was like so sick and tired of, uh, of fashion wanted to do something else but basically I had this idea a long time and then I, I told them about this and they were like yeah well you have to you have to uh, put in the name in uh, for the brand or you we have to like make it physical make it something so we had all of these brand uh, name ideas and one of them Unna uh, which actually is a Swedish word for uh, for like treating yourself and indulging yourself so it's it's uh we're telling people that it's like to have a holistic approach yeah. to life and not really if you run you do something else or don't forget, you know, it's not a hardcore way. It's yeah, not like yeah, yeah. Uh, 5 a.m., do the run, eat your uh, perfect thing. Uh, so it's more like, uh, yeah, have a beer with your friends afterward. Like, feel proud about your achievements, even though it's just like if you take the bike or you, you run 2K, uh, it's, it's individual. You don't yeah. have to run a marathon to, to feel great. Mm. Um, but I've, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. had a lot of questions yeah. there, <laughs> No, sure but I'm I think, like, yeah, what, what you mentioned there, like, made me go to the uh, next question I wanted to discuss with you is actually, like, about all the work that you did and the preparation and the Instagram and everything. Because what I say is, like, you know, some people think that, yeah, launching a brand really starts the day the, s- the website goes live, but actually you've done, like, actually a lot of work before which proved that completely wrong so uh, you did like super good like social media campaigns uh, brand positioning uh, brand awareness and that ties back to like the community I was mentioning in my previous question yeah. um, we'll get back so to can that. you like yeah <laughs> can you maybe like inspire us a little bit on like how and why you did this and how did it help you actually you know prepare and build the brand yeah. I mean, a good example, I think we'll touch uh, on this too a lot, I think in terms of uh, like a retention strategy, it was one thing when I started putting out, uh, I was taking some images of uh, my friend uh, Marianne and uh, and we're like, we were like starting to build this campaign was built for uh, Una co-creators and Una co-creators yep. was, uh, I have to go back a few steps now, uh, mm-hmm. so Una co-creators was actually, I saw uh, like brands doing like a pilot testing yep. 
and I thought like, wow, this is amazing. This is, I love this concept. Like, because uh, that was something I was really missing with Lamrouge. Like, uh, we were like a with like a wholesale model selling yeah. to like big department stores. So like going, you know, if we sell to Harvey Nichols or Galerie Lafayette or anything, you know, it's like we're so far away from, from the, the customers. Customer, yeah, yeah. yeah. And. I wanted to come closer. Yeah, which is the beauty of direct-to-consumer. Yeah, yeah, really start talking. Yeah. Um, so uh, I love this pilot testing thing. But then I saw like these brands, like what they were doing, they were like pilot testing, and then they were basically just sending, uh, okay, now, thank you, you didn't get uh, selected, and now you're getting a 10% discount, you know, once in a while by the email. That's more or less what mm. happens. and. I felt like, oh, this is so much missed opportunity because we can build something so much more authentic. And that was something I was really looking for, like this actual relationship between uh, brand and customer. Yeah, yeah, that's key. I mean, yeah. And everybody's talking about the data. You know, I'm new in the e-commerce direct to consumer world, but I'm thinking it's so much like, okay, we have this uh, data. We should look at into this and we should put more money into that kind of marketing and, uh, you know, yada, yada. But like, looking into the qualitative data like we have now with the co-creator communities you basically you sign up it's like a five to seven minute sign up uh we ask people like uh, whether they're like struggles and pain points to like moving what are their inspirations and aspirations and we get a lot of interesting uh, uh connection like a personal relationship with the yeah. people that are in the uh, this uh, community um, so basically, like from the start, we started like testing products. So back to to Marianne, then my, like we started yeah. taking these pictures, and that we didn't have the clothing, so we kind of masked out like um, you know like t-shirts and uh, tights and other products. So and then we like just replaced it with like text. Like um, it was something about like people should should test. Are we looking for people to okay. test our product? So before we even had product, we could start like getting some uh, some information uh, but people like yeah and then w- as soon as we had some products then we instead of like like you usually do you order like one or two or f- samples and then you test it then we order like 20 samples and we sent it out got it tested uh sent it out again to new people so they would like have it for one or two weeks and it was it was a lot of fun and people started getting like engaged from yeah. the start and we can see that even today like when we post on instagram we have like these people who are really joined early and was like uh interested in the product yeah and, uh, so um yeah but i mean i think it's something that we really see more and more you know, like of course we talk a lot about data in e-commerce and i think you know the of course like the most data driven brand are the most successful at some point but you need to have that also like volume of data so it becomes like relevant but also what we see that it's a very difficult balance to find between um, data and automation and actually bringing that level of personalization and human touch because customers now they want to talk to the to a brand like you just said like they speak to a friend yeah Uh, and i think that when you actually manage to build that connection with your audience this is when you be like super Powerful relationship which will last, and then, I mean, these customers obviously will become uh, ambassadors of your brand. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I'm I myself pretty convinced that you're doing this right. Uh, and <laughs> that I, is fun, uh, you yeah. know. I, I do because I want to do. I think it's so fun. I just now Corona is uh, more or less. I don't know if you can say it's over, but yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to like meet these people and more in like real uh, person. And what we're doing now is like more or less like after you join then you get you're a part of our like close friends list on Instagram and this is where we communicate so 
as late as like one hour ago, I was like texting a few people because we were asking like to to try. Um, it's not a new product, but an existing product because we want to have some more feedback before uh, like reordering the next yeah. uh, order. Uh, so. And it's so fun, like just writing to people, hey, so happy to, to see you're interested in trying the product. And we have some new names, you know, that signed up last week and you can uh, welcome them to this little community. And um, for me, it gives it a lot of energy just to, uh, uh, yeah, because yeah, yeah. starting your own brand or doing a new venture, it's, uh, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of work and uh, it's good. You always need that extra energy yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, of push. course, when you see your customers being happy with your product, I guess it gives you extra motivation. But yeah. I think it's also like probably super valuable when it comes to actually, you know, like creating the product and producing them because uh, one question that we might have is like, you know, sportswear is a bit like fashion. Also, like people like to wear things a bit differently. They like different types. So maybe like get, getting that feedback from them actually help you design in a way which like is more, you know, like looked after from the market. And, and what we also see like in our own business is like when actually, you know, people take the time to look at all the qualitative comments that the customer gives when they return product, then they get a lot of valuable feedback for the production team, which is exactly what you're describing, but yeah. uh, at another level as you're actually involving them in the co-creation um, yeah. uh, process. So that's super interesting. Um, so maybe we'll try to like use a little bit about your experience uh, building an online store. And if we try to like deep dive a bit more onto like the nerdy or tech side of things, yeah. uh, <laughs> would, you s would you like, like to um, explain a little bit? Like, I, I know like it's, you know, when you start building your online store, you have so many different options when it comes to like platform, uh, emailing solution, uh, advertising. So um, would you like maybe to share a bit of your experience and how you went uh, about that and how you did your choice and which choice did you made and, you know, yeah. when it comes to technology? Yeah, I mean, we're not too advanced yet, uh, course, yeah. but I think I did a lot of research like this, I, you know, I. I built, uh, you know, our first websites when I started my uh, Lom Rouge back in like 2011. I was like, it's cheaper just to build my own website. So then I started, you know, you do that kind of entrepreneurial yeah. uh, stuff. So I, I know some, some from the beginning, and I designed, uh, you know, websites after that. But, but I think, I'm not a tech person, and for me, it was like I started doing so much research, and I, I. Uh, I understood, like I, I know, knew that I wanted to bake. I had to build something from scalability. Yeah, that was like and the, what I was looking for in everything. So basically, Unna is like the team is it's me, and then I have Frida, who's the e-commerce uh, manager, and uh, the guys that figure are helping me us like on a retainer basis. Yeah. Um. So it's very very small team. Um, and that's also because I want it to be more scalable. I want to put as much money into like marketing and scalability. Yeah. And when we did the research, like I understood quite early on that Shopify was uh, probably like you could see brands at like a hundred million second turnover would go and like go from other uh, platforms to Shopify yeah. at the same time. You could start from uh, barely nothing. Yeah. So like. And some some brands, I guess, like Gymshark and some brands are still yeah, using yeah, yeah, Shopify. Yeah. Uh, so it's. It I think we think it's an amazing platform, but uh, there are others, of course. Uh, yeah, but we think it gives a lot of possibilities, uh, and it's very scalable in that sense. Yeah, and I, I used it before too, so I felt like this is I'm starting from that point, and then I try to find like an agency who's working like purely Shopify based, 
and uh, we didn't end up with one surely. Well, th- uh, yeah, we're working with uh, Grabban, amazing uh, people, but uh, they uh, they wanted to like start their Shopify. Uh, uh, what do you say? Yeah, that they have uh, yeah. their offering. So it was a really fun uh, journey for us and them to to really learn and get to know the platform and become experts. Um, but then to, uh, after that, I mean, we have Shopify, we have uh, Clavio. Uh, yeah. Everybody's talking about Clavio. I yeah, felt, I felt that was like big. super. Yeah, it's one of our partner, yeah. Yeah, it felt like a very uh, simple decision. And then, yeah, I have a lot of stuff on my list, but it's uh, that's basically where we're starting. We're a small team. We yeah. can't really sit with uh, too much. Like of we course. need to collect the data. And when it comes to payments, uh, payment we're using the Shopify payments. We're okay. using Klarna. We have uh, VMS uh, from our uh, called ongoing uh, from our free PL partner yeah. um, accounting system is uh, Visma. They have a now they have a e uh, e version e uh, okay you know e accounting uh, so it's uh, like pure like cloud based like everything's cloud based more or less so yeah you can work anywhere you have apps you have. Uh, it's yeah, that's simple. also the beauty of Shopify, the App Store, and gives you so many opportunities. Yeah, and all the integration, everything is, you know, I want to say the ambition is to have everything seamless. Of course. Yeah. And we have JLo, of, of course. course yeah. Of course. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't even think about it. No? I was actually about <laughs> to ask you about the pre-order. If you use an app, like, how do you, do you do pre-order or do you don't? Like, you just do, like, co-creation and then you sell? Uh, we have I have a lot of ideas on this cement, yeah. uh, but we're using uh, we we did some pre-order and then like we tried to find the right way to do like pre-order or do you know kind of back in stock gap like yeah. uh, but I think for the future I have this big ambition to um, like this maybe spring summer maybe a bit after summer I think we'll have this Una factory where you'll be able to like order with us directly from the factory. Uh, the mm-hmm. factory. Yep. Uh, which is a much more sustainable way Yeah, of I was doing about business. to like, yeah, of course, ask you about that, like how to limit, you know, because the pre-order can be a way to uh, limit the stock. If it's not used in a marketing way, but in a truly like, you know, sustainable way is yeah. to actually produce only what the demand is. Yeah. So how would you, you have already like ideas on how you would do that? Yeah, I think this was, uh, this was one of my main things, like uh, thinking about like, because I used to do it like more or less with a 90% wholesale with La yeah. Roche and yeah. it was, a lot of struggling because you're doing like more or less four collections. You're in Paris Fashion Week, but at the same time you're developing uh, your next spring collection while you're selling and yeah. like uh, distributing one to the stores. It's more or less like four collections. And it's very hard to forecast. It's very hard forecast. You take a lot of bets, and you're telling your customers, you're telling a customer with like 25 stores to, you have to buy this shirt, and then it yeah, turns it's out bestseller. It's not the bestseller. No, you you <laughs> hope it will be yeah. because you like you believe in it so hard. Um, that's a r- real challenge in the fashion industry, to be honest. That's a real, yeah, for the hope for for our planet, it's a big challenge, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, that's uh, unfortunately like how how the industry is working. So, uh, and I think I was working in uh, like 2012 with La Roche. Our tagline was kind of ageless style for a sustainable future, but mm-hmm. it was like too early. I think people didn't care too much about sustainability, yeah. even like 65 years ago when we did uh, La Roche, like turned and did everything like. Yeah, uh, more that. environmental materials like yeah. people were still like oh this is this is great it's nice but to it have it's nice to have yeah and this was now it's a must have to be honest. now it's a must have if you want to be relevant i yeah. think you shouldn't start uh, any brand or produce any product unless you have a sustainable focus but 
uh, with my experience from wholesale, I thought like, okay, I think the customer now in 2021, 2022 are ready to, you know, uh, willing to pay for a product. Uh, so what we're offering is more or less is you get a better, you get the best price for your wallet and for the planet. Yeah. So like ordering uh, early, so that would be like eight to ten weeks before you get the order. So you're basically, you're, we have an open window for you know a few days. Then you place your order with us, yeah. and then we get all the data. We can see like these are the the top selling products. So we don't have to go and like speculate into uh, the price people are not too interested in. Yeah. Um, and then the trade-off is like they have to wait, but they get a better price. Yeah, but exactly. I mean, I was about. To, I think it's a super interesting model, and I think you know we're talking so much about like one day delivery and things like that. And of yeah. course, you know, like that's what uh, the big ones, big boys or big yeah. girls, how to say, like Amazon are selling like, you know, with Prime and stuff like this. And of course, for some product, maybe you are super like eager to have it the day after. But I think what I see is like when you communicate to the customer, why you're doing things that way, yeah. they're actually so much more willing to understand and to accept the trade-offs of actually waiting eight to 10 weeks. And that also, I think, comes a little bit with excitement. I mean, you have to wait, it's not like, just like this, right? No, no. Uh, it's a bit like a relationship, hard to get. <laughs> I think it just made me think about that. So I yeah. think it's actually brings also like maybe a bit more of, uh, as you were mentioning, like authenticity in the yeah. relationship with your customers. And it's probably not then the same type of buys. Then of course, if you have your friend birthday next week and you want to, you need to buy something, then you would always have maybe your permanent collection that you can buy. But for some, you know extra cool product then you have to pre-order and you have to wait and i think it's also when you nurture the relationship so i think it's super interesting and i hope we will see more and more actually brands you know taking that path but i'm just thinking like concretely with your factory how would that work because i know one of the challenges and hurdles with you know small brands if i may say is like you need to have a certain level of um orders so for them to produce hmm. um, and I guess like if you do this type of pre-order maybe you need to reach a certain level so how would you go about that do you, have you thought about it have you discussed that with the factory I think it's interesting yeah so basically you know now we're starting out we're doing we already have uh, stuff uh, in our uh, web shop releasing some new product every month and so we have a kind of a running schedule already so what we're doing is like we I think like you say I think it would be harder if you start from zero yeah that's uh, why I'm not doing this from day one. I'm doing it in like half a year because then I have, we have this kind of built up relationship and we're still, we're making the order anyway. So I guess, you know, if we place, let's say we place uh, Una factory, we open the window, we offer five products. Yeah. We see that uh, product one, two or three and four, uh, one, two and three, we see like, oh, we have a uh, hundred units per, um, uh, per product in like a pre-order. Then yeah. we have, five on product four you know then maybe we can say that okay maybe we shouldn't produce product yeah, four yeah. and um, we'll be using so I maybe I, I have already bought the material for that product so I have it on stock and I'm like okay so I can use this in that other product that is more popular uh, and so on so it's basically I think um in the beginning this will be like more we, we will kind of push our sales more and more towards like early um, um, yeah committing more early to yeah. buying the product but we'll also have like a mixed model where uh, let's say we have 100 orders I will place another 100 pieces of that yeah, because yeah, yeah. I know uh, once it hits come. the store yeah, yeah. it will sell out uh, quite quickly yeah. um, so 
but it's not too much risk. And what happens, what's the beauty of this, which is also like a huge problem with the retail and wholesale segment is that if we don't produce too much, we don't have to put the stuff on sale. We don't have to kind of uh, like devalue the product. Uh, And I think that's super important because what we've been seeing the last few years within uh, the segment is we're actually we're talking about like retail stores dying. But what's happening is they still sell more product than before. They're just doing it at lower marginals and uh, bigger cost for our planet uh, because people are buying stuff. You know, they're like reeled in through like discounted prices and they buy stuff they don't even want. So it's a it's a very evil spiral uh, yeah. that I want to really shook up and like yeah, build some yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think do it the other uh, way around this is actually it's like an inverted price model yeah no but I think in that sense I mean uh, you I'm, I'm very much convinced about everything you say but that's I think it's like sustainability in that sense like goes actually hand in hand with like sustainability for our planet and sustainability for the business model yeah. uh, because I mean I know you're pretty certainly aware that it's, it's super hard to actually run a profitable business online it's actually easier to run a profitable store yeah. um, because you have low margins and you have a lot of cost logistics is like you know the heart of, of that and, and acquisition costs are extremely expensive so in that sense, like being able to not give any discount will allow to protect the margins, uh, and in that sense, in the long term, uh, run a profitable business, which is like what every brand owner, I hope, thrive for. Yeah. Um, so I think it's uh, I think it's super uh, super interesting. Um, maybe before we wrap up, um, and just <laughs> like uh, you think it was too short. <laughs> no, you want to talk more about loyalty. I think like oh, yeah, I yeah. think because this is also I want to tell you like these kind of things to do this, this is uh, it really brings I, I see our customer is kind of a woke metropolitan person yeah. uh, and they really appreciate this so, I mean like building on the brand values building on sustainability building on uh, like style and like really like walk like uh, you work through uh, everything properly and like deliver quality I mean that's that's like bringing the the, the customers coming back and back all the time yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely agree. It's, it's not only about selling a product anymore. Uh, it's selling the experience and, and everything which goes with that. So it's uh, selling the dream yeah. <laughs> about the product. And uh, yeah, yeah, but I think, and I think it's it's a very interesting positioning that you're uh, taking actually with the brand. And I, I'm very curious to see and uh, hope wish the best um, for Una. No, but I, I wanted to ask you before we wrap up, like more for if in our audience we have like, you know, people who want to create their own brand or like how about to launch, like from your experience, both uh, from Lam Rouge and now from creating Una, if you would have like, I don't know, like two, three very good tips, you know, or advice that you would have, which wish you would have, have been given yeah. uh, or you would give to someone who is about to launch um, a new online business, what would you say? Um, I love listening to podcasts with these kind of tips. It's the best thing I know. Um, (laughs) But I think, I mean, being prepared. I think you have to mentally prepare. It's a lot of hard work. But I think also like preparing, researching your idea, uh, talking to friends, testing it. That was what I was doing with the Instagram account. Like I was uh, really, I wanted to also expand on like the visuals and really give them the Una world to like... Validate the idea. To validate it. Yeah, I think that's like probably number number one mm. like um, make sure you have all of that um, uh, yeah, sorted uh, 
Mm. And then like starting out, I guess where I am now, I, we, we launched three weeks ago. I just need to like have patience. I have to really continue to just test things because everything is new. We don't know exactly what people react to. So it's like testing, uh, having that patience, working hard, um, have a good coffee machine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that would apply to any entrepreneur, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can recognize in that. Yeah, but resilience is, of course, like, uh, it, it's it's a long journey. It's not, actually, I would say, like, it's actually not a sprint. It's no. a marathon. And that would that's be very good, much appropriate. Uh, that's a very good quote. I like that. And yeah. I have to, I mean, for me, the, uh, one of, like, a personal key is that I'm, I'm kind of, we were talking about this before uh, the interview, but really, like, facing the day with, like, new eyes and really, mm. like, no day will be like you expect them to be. It's not the nine to five uh, yeah. work. So uh, you will have all of these new challenges, but also these new opportunities. Like for me, this week has been like a roller coaster uh, because one day you have this bad news coming in and everything feels bad, but the next day it's like oh, you yeah. know, it's like completely opposite, and that's uh, life of an entrepreneur. Yes, and. Uh, mm. Yeah, I love that. I, I think it's a lot of fun, but it's it's, it's good to be like mentally prepared, and, like really, yeah. really, yeah. Ready, yeah. And, and, and go and uh, go exercising. Yeah, I was actually about to, about to <laughs> say like actually exercising and maintaining, being very careful about mental health, and uh, yeah. of course, like being in good mental health usually goes hand in hand with actually exercising. Definitely. So definitely a strong need yeah. for for Una in our lives. Yeah. Cool. Slow motion is better than no motion. Exactly. Yeah, that's also a good one. <laughs> um, cool. Thank you very much um, for being with us today and many congrats on the launch. We're really looking forward to, uh, to follow up on the journey. Uh, we hope, of course, that we will uh, work together for many years going forward. Um, but if you want to share any contact details, uh, info about Una, uh, just feel free to shoot out before we close this. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You can you can write to us on uh, on Instagram on una.world. Uh, this is w- mainly where we keep all our communication or sign up to our ne- newsletter. And you can probably find me in there also if you want to follow me. Um, I'll try to deliver some some content uh, once in a while. Uh, And if you want to talk about something, we can start there. Thanks again for a super great episode, John Ruben. I think it was super interesting to hear your story about launching Una. And uh, we are really looking forward to see what the future holds for you guys and wish you the best. But I think that... The way you leverage co-creation even before launch by letting basically anyone who wants to try and test your product give you feedback is a super effective way to engage and create a super loyal audience and fan base even before launching the website. So it actually reminds me of a really good discussion I also had with another guest in this um, podcast called Gemina. She's the founder of uh, Astrid Wild. Um, and at Astrid Wild, they also leverage a lot, actually, their Instagram community to build up the brand and to develop new products that they make sure the customer wants. So... We link this episode on the show notes for uh, the one who are interested in learning more about that because I think it's a super good um, tool for for brands just now. And with Gemina, we actually also discussed that it's a very also like smart way to build up the hype uh, with new, you know, exclusive product releases, for example, but also to produce more sustainably, as we actually also touched upon during this episode. And 
Again, you know, I'm a strong believer that loyalty, sustainability and profitability must go hand in hand for e-commerce these days. So I'm really um, looking forward to see how this is going to evolve and, and really excited to see like brands like yours paving the way to, to that. So thank you everyone for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode opening in, in two weeks. And don't miss uh, Ask It Wild episode if you haven't listened to it yet. Uh, have a good one. Bye bye. Thank you.